everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Cloudy Business Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure to be joined by Paul Cassie. Paul joined Computer Center in 1999, over 20 years ago, as a consultant and has held various roles within the professional services and solutions business, including technology leader and practice leader for virtualization and automation technologies. Paul's current role includes responsibility for cloud computing, supporting the data center line of business, and heading up the practice leader community within the UK solutions business. Paul, I am very excited and honored to have a cloud strategist like you joining me today. How are you doing? I am very well, Roshni, and thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you very much for joining us. Okay, Paul, so let me tell you, for the last couple of weeks, I've been reading quite a lot things you have published over the last couple of years. One that really caught my attention was your blog, Seize the Opportunity to Transform, where you addressed in depth the evolution of cloud computing from its early days to where the market is at today. You talk about enterprises that have a fully operational cloud operating model and that now they need to start thinking about adapting to the continuous evolution of cloud computing. You talk about evolving from a cloud cost model to a FinOps model. Will you mind explaining to our audience what is this about? Yeah, so you know, cloud's been a, around as a technology, as we all know, for you know quite a while now in its various guises. And it's being sort of adapted into the enterprise in sort of various stages and at various speeds. And I think it's fair to say that most uh, verticals, most uh, sizes of organization are adapting and, and leveraging cloud in, in one form or, or another. But I think, you know, even from the organizations who got into cloud computing very early, it's not a, this is not a one-time activity. This is a constant evolution of technology, of capabilities. And, you know, that's just not about the technology that you're consuming. It's about the, the people and process that goes along with that. And we're all learning and evolving to, you know, best practice. And best practice changes and roles on a, on a sort of a daily basis almost. So, you know, we're moving from this sort of mindset of what we do in the data center kind of gets laid down and done once and designed once. And then maybe it gets changed every two to three years where, now we're updating best practice and thinking about you know the processes and the technologies and how we're solving problems with cloud technology, but we're changing it on a an, on an ongoing basis. It's a it's a constantly shifting landscape that needs needs to be adapted to, and it's you know you're, you're adapting to it from both the technology and the IT organisation who are building and delivering and also looking at the end users who are consuming the technology. So it's about making sure that we are heading in the right direction, you know, for both sides of that argument and adapting the, you know, the way technology gets delivered. And a key part of that is, is making sure that that's being delivered in a cost-effective manner. You know, we're not all used to dealing with cloud commercials and the way that, you know, we think these projects will sort of evolve and, you know, sort of materialise over a period of years. So you see you know, big organizations sign up to large commits to public cloud providers, but yet they've never really done cloud properly before. So, you know, it's a lot of it is guesswork. And quite often you end up with a situation where actually things go a little bit slower than you expect that they're going to at the outset. And part of that is, you know, to, to touch on your point about FinOps is, 
you know, people don't understand how to do cost management around cloud. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how they managed the consumption of technology in the data center was kind of, I would build it once, I would design for worst case. So you probably wasted some money doing that potentially to, to, to care for worst case. But if you take that attitude in the cloud, you're going to get heavily penalized by the cloud provider for using technology that you're not, uh, you're paying for technology that you're not using. So so FinOps has really emerged as a, a way of initially being, you know, from a cost management perspective, basic cost management of saying, looking at my bill, how much am I spending? How much do I really need to spend? Where do I have wastage? And FinOps is really about taking that to, to another level where it's about people in process, about having governance and guardrails and having policies about what technology should be used, which technologies from the cloud provider should be used, which ones are approved for use, and how do we effectively cost manage that? And how do we make decisions about net new workloads, about where they should be placed? What is the cost and what are the requirements of that workload? So FinOps is really about so much more than just cloud cost management, Roshni, that's what I would say. That's uh, very interesting. When we have been talking to our clients, especially clients that they are on-prem mainly, and they're starting to think, okay, we need to move to the cloud mainly because everyone else is. And they start talking, asking me, but how much is going to cost me? Not only moving to the cloud, but once we're on the cloud, how much is going to cost us to actually stay on the cloud and uh, use the cloud efficiently? So I agree with you. It's much more than cost management. It's implementing the right controls and, and governance around it. Uh, to, I guess, eventually to end up paying for what we used, ensuring that what we're using is the right technology for our applications. Will that be a fair statement? Yeah, and I think you know, I think the reality is you know, what you used to see a lot, and you still see this, is we're going to go 100% into the cloud. And that's an ambition that a lot of organizations have, and it's a, it's a strategy that is the, the, the attempt. But quite often enterprises get stuck so they're neither in the cloud or they're neither out of the data center. So actually what you're doing is you're not making things cheaper. You're making things much more expensive because you've still got the cost of the data center and you're now consuming all these costs in the cloud and you're stuck halfway between the pair of them because of probably challenges in the way that you've you've thought about the transformation. And maybe if you've oversimplified how easy it would be to get from your source environment to your destination. So that is a problem, and that becomes a bit of a challenge of, well, we said we were going to get 100% into the cloud. Now what is the reality? What do we now really think is a is a sensible and pragmatic sort of uh, situation? So more and more, you know, we see customers having multi-cloud. So they, they, they end up consuming multiple different public cloud providers. That drives up the cost if they don't drive efficiencies into that and they're still in the data center. And I think people are reaching this kind of happy harmony of, I'm going to do multi-cloud and I'm going to start making more sort of sensible business-driven decisions on what is right for this workload and where should that workload exist. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned multi-cloud because when I was reading some of the articles you have published, I got the impression that you're you're pro-multi-cloud scenario. Am I right to... To make this assumption, well, we I think it's not a we pro multi cloud. It's I think we you know we look at our customer base and our customer base is a large enterprise customer, multi region, the you know, the big customers, lots of uh, employees. So we always saw that the end game would be multi cloud, even in the early days. So you know you, they've got so many different requirements. 
that I think it was almost inevitable that they would end up with multi-cloud. Whether they planned that as a strategy or through mergers and acquisitions or different business lines, you know, driving the, the, the different initiatives. So when we went about sort of thinking about our approach towards this, we always thought multi-cloud should be the way that we sort of engage with our customers. And in fact, even if a customer is going single cloud, we encourage them to plan for multi-cloud. Even if they're not thinking about doing it right now, it will become so difficult for them to then transition to multi-cloud that they should plan for it from day one. And where we think about things like that is, you know, why do you need to use a native load balancer or a native firewall in AWS? And then you're going to have something completely different in Azure. And that's going to be completely different from how you do that on-prem. And even if you look at storage you know, and the way that you think of storage services, why would you use the native ones that have all got different features and capabilities when actually the, the, the sensible thing is, why don't you have a third-party technology it's the same one that you're probably using on site. Maybe it's F5, maybe it's NetApp, and you know, in the way they provide storage and use it across all clouds in a consistent manner. That means you are you're you're driving down the technical complexity, but you're driving up the level of efficiency as well, and that you can deliver a more consistent service. So I think thinking about multi-cloud at the outset, whether you're ready for it now or not, is is a is a sensible idea. But, you know, we, we don't rule out that people are, it's not just about IaaS, it's not just about PaaS, it's about container technologies and, and SaaS as well. We don't care what the target environment is, as I said earlier, it's about what is right for that workload is the, is the important thing for us. And when you think about the workload and, you, and you're connected to what the business is trying to do, the project's going to have more backing and it's going to go better than if it's an IT-led initiative, I think is the, is the summary. I guess uh, one point you touched there is how easy or how difficult the different cloud providers make it for us to be able to adopt to, to multi-cloud a scenario, because I'm assuming it's not in their interest, or is that a false? I don't know if we, I would say it's not in their interest. I think they all have different views on multi-cloud. Some are deniers and some are uh, acknowledge that multi-cloud is a, is a real thing. But here's the thing, that none of them can teach you how to do multi-cloud because they only live in their own world, mm -hmm. really. So I think it's about, you know, I think that's where organizations such as ourselves, we think about how to think about best practice and how to take the best practice and the all of the frameworks and the well, you know, things like well-architected frameworks from all the different providers and sort of almost distill that into a set of multi-cloud best practice that you then evolve and deliver over a period of time. So it's not, um, you know, multi-cloud is something that is good for the customer. Maybe not so good for the individual hyperscaler, but it's the, it's the right thing for us as a partner of the customer to encourage them to think about as a, as a strategy. Good, thank you. I, I do, if I were to summarize the last couple of minutes, I will say, even if you're moving to a single cloud provider, set yourself in a way that you're ready for a multi-cloud scenario in the outset. Good, thank you very much. If you don't mind, I'm going to completely move into a different direction, but I know you, you have been writing a lot about different subjects and I'm really eager to cover as much as we can for in the time we have. So you have been talking a lot about DevSecOps. Will you mind 
to share with our audience what are the benefits of the DevSecOps model as opposed to the standard DevOps. And uh, by talking about the differences and benefits, if you don't mind to actually define them for us. Well, you know, DevOps is about the mindset and the culture of, you know, how you change the way that you are thinking about applications and developing applications. DevSecOps is more for us is the how you bring that to life through technology. So it's almost like I've got to take a set of principles of how you do DevOps and, and, and DevSecOps is about, well, how am I now going to deliver applications with tools and secure them as I'm developing my app? So we really see the distinction as one's a mindset and the other one is a, a practical implementation of bringing these things to life. And there are so many overlapping areas in that space where it's about people in process versus actually bringing it to life through deploying tools, standing up teams, delivering code. But, you know, th- but I think fundamentally, you know, the, the important part here is thinking about that security aspect at the point of the genesis of the application, not trying to retrofit you know, security. And I think that's something the the average enterprise has, uh, it's getting used to it now. It's, it's, it's not been native in the way of the, you know, the more traditional architectures in the data center. Security was often a retrofit and security was something you did at the perimeter. Whereas what we're really trying to do with DevSecOps is put it into the code and have the principles in the way that we're building and delivering apps from day one. So it's a, it's a fundamental shift of mindset but that's kind of the direction of travel of the whole market. You know, that it's uh, less about securing through IP addresses and more about securing through different methods such as DevSecOps. And how do you see your clients, for example, adapting to this direction of travel of the market? Well, it's interesting because we, we've taken you know, you know, a team who would deal with everything cloud, everything transformation, you know, through data center, through data technologies. So so we've actually ring-fenced now a team who that is all that they do. So we have a, 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 a there's a term, and it's not a computer center invented term, but it's, it's called developer velocity. And we think intrinsically linked are things like DevSecOps, cloud native platforms, and observability. So we've actually got a go-to-market that really just focuses on those three things with deep experts in those three areas, but really linking them to say that it's really important that you understand cloud-native platforms and and sort of have a strategy for what those technologies are and how you're going to use them in the data center in the cloud. It's really important, as we discussed about having DevSecOps as a, a really well understood and sort of embedded set of practices and capabilities that you have. But observability starts to become really important from a, a you know, a business line perspective. And and it's as more and more applications are being built as cloud native applications. You know, we our, our belief is these three areas can't really be unpicked. They've got to be joined up. So it's a it, it's a Something that we have recognised is a deep technology area in its own right, and it's a it's a it's a whole subject matter in its own right. So we've almost got an overlay team that overlays all the other teams that we have that focuses just on DevSecOps. If if that sort of answers the question for you, Roshni. 
Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I would like to thank you for breaking it down, everything pretty much that we are discussing to to such a digestible level that is easy for, for me to understand and for everyone to understand, especially when you are introducing these newish concepts within cloud computing. Now, I would like to ask you a question that it may be a bit too broad to answer, but what do you think? are the key capabilities organizations should be looking to build if they don't have them already within cloud services. And if the list is too long, I would be happy if you wouldn't mind to share maybe the top three, five capabilities on this space. Okay, let's give it a go. So um, I think the most important thing is building a multi-cloud center of excellence. And again, if it's single cloud provider, that's fine, but still, you're building a team whose job it is is to is not just to stand up and operate the environment day one, but it's to you know life cycle the environment and you develop the standards and develop the people and process you know that 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 comes with shifting from a, an on-premise sort of world to, to to moving to the cloud. So a center of excellence that has all of the skills and strategy based within that is is important and one of the functions that will exist within that center of excellence or will normally sit within that center of excellence is the finops capability that we spoke about earlier you know cloud spend is a challenge for almost every customer they have to get their head around it and have to find a way of uh, sort of solving the problem and then it sort of calms down again and everybody sort of gets over that peak of, oh my God, the costs have gone through the roof, what's going on? So having that capability becomes really important for the sponsorship of the projects and the initiatives of why we're, you know, here's still the reasons why we're going to cloud and also for buy-in from all the business lines about why are we doing this and, uh, you know, why, why, why are we moving to cloud effectively? So I think those two are really important. And I think related to that, so as the as the core team, become really focused on you know defining the standards and best practice and you know constantly evolving the uh, the policies around landing zone and security and the, the almost the guardrails and the guidelines everything that's sort of within the center of excellence there's a really important role about educating the the consumers of the technology as well so it's a, it's a thing that we called paired programming so effectively as we've helped sort of the organization define all the people and process elements that go with this building the center of excellence, we will usually then go try and focus on, well, let us now go work with your, the business consumers, look at their backlog and help them understand, right, here's how you solve some of these issues that are on your backlog with the new technology. So here's how you use some of the serverless functions. Here's how you use some of the database functions Here's how you can use, you know, the infrastructure as a service components that are in the cloud. So, so it's more like a coordination and coordinating capability we're talking here. Uh, it, it's it's coordination, but it's also getting people to understand and support the adoption of the cloud technology. You know, mm -hmm. so it's it's about it's about, but this is about going into the business areas that are developing applications and using the compute services and helping them understand how to how to leverage and consume and get value out of the technology that that is there and you know move to this model where you've got stuff that's on tap it's immediately available it's immediately scalable and how to just use it in a in a controlled and so sort of well governed manner effectively and you're almost trying to do that in harmony with 
the this the cloud center of excellence as they're building out their capability and defining the the policies the guidelines and the guardrails that are going to exist in, in within the customer fantastic thank you very much now we're talking about capabilities in one of your recent blogs, actually, you introduced the concept, which I believe is a specific to Computer Center, which is the concept of modern cloud platform capability, which I do believe links all the different tool sets alongside an equipment uh, set of policies and controls, uh, which is in line with what you just were discussing. But if you don't mind to, to elaborate a bit more on this term that you introduced in your blog. Yeah, modern cloud platform is it is a term that we uh, coined a few years ago, and, and and really at the time, what we were trying to describe is rather than thinking of cloud as something completely separate, is you know, th think about the the sort of technology landscape more holistically, and think about how you provide a common and sort of consistent service that you know regardless of the. If the if the consumer of the technology is using services in the public cloud or on prem, and it was really about sort of almost trying to uh, you know a uplift the sort of the the approach towards technology management and bring it make it more modern, but at the same time join it with what's going on in the sort of cloud world. So it's really about sort of you know removing cloud from being a, a separate island and IT project to. A core component and tenant of the IT strategy and sort of joining these things up. So it was really about then, and it's it's almost where we have arrived that your cloud was seen as this destination and we're going to transform from the data center to the cloud. That's not really worked out in the way that everybody probably thought it was going to happen. And you're, you're ending up in this hybrid environment where People are now realizing I actually still need the data center for, for certain workloads. It's, it is still the right place for us. And there's certain workloads through governance and, you know, because of legislation, uh, regulation that you, you need to keep in the data center or you need it through, for speed of access, et cetera, et cetera. And it's about thinking about, you know, modern cloud platforms really about thinking about on-premises, in the cloud, multi-cloud, SaaS services, all as one common entity. Is, mm -hmm. is the way we think about it and, and almost taking some of the learnings that you've got from public cloud, you know, things like landing zones. Nobody ever really spoke about landing zones before cloud. And then, you know, landing zones have become a really important way to think about securing the environment, putting guardrails around it in the public cloud environment. Well, extend that back into and retrofit that back into the way that you uh, manage within the data center. And as we spoke about earlier, Roshni, you, you know, we spoke about with people have had to learn how to do effective cloud cost management mm -hmm. and you know the, the, what they've now learned is how to how to price how to size how to scale well actually that's a practice that didn't ex didn't really exist in a lot of enterprises in the data center previously hence yeah. why it sort of runs out of control a little bit so bringing those policies and that learning from the public cloud into the data center again and having a, a common approach. I'm not saying it has to be exactly the same, but a common approach and mentality towards these things, I think, is is important. So modern cloud platform is really about rolling these things together and looking at you know, what is likely to be the landscape for the average enterprise, which is I'm probably going to be in multiple clouds. I'm going to have my own data center tech, uh, yeah, capabilities. I might use Colo. 
but it's going to be a complex landscape for a for a long period of time and it's about a common mindset tool set and and sort of uh, approach towards all of that technology not just some of it yeah i see i see the focus going on transformation rather than the target itself and uh, i guess uh, the way we can put this is thinking about what is right for the application and for the business when it comes to enabling uh, the right cloud environment uh, for the organization okay fantastic now i would like to completely switch direction for a bit because within the same blog i mentioned earlier the sees the opportunity to transform you touch a point that has come up in a lot of uh, my conversations with uh, with clients and is the role that it as a function plays in all this you you talk about trying to evolve the perception of it from be, being a business inhibitor to becoming a business enabler and um, we we may have seen this actually firsthand when you talk to to certain areas within the within the IT departments they're quite hesitant to this change because they they may start thinking oh my god if now uh, cloud services are coming we don't have the resources or the skills in house we need to either way bring more people or upskill the current team and plus the the current IT strategy does not necessarily align with with the, with the cloud computing as as the, as uh, we may see the future walking going towards so if you don't mind to to elaborate on that sure so yeah the, the reason that you know let's talk about public cloud first of all the reason public cloud became very popular was primarily driven by the business line actually rather than it because the business lines were coming to it and saying well look i can get something for, uh, uh, here's my set of requirements i need these environments from you and quite often the wait time and the cost would be unacceptable. I remember one customer it would take them 9 months to uh, get a Windows server in a data center from the point of request. You know so if you think all I'm getting is a Windows operating system and it takes 9 months to do it, that's crazy. And the alternative is I'm being offered instant on demand access through the public cloud provider and I can have it in 9 minutes or less probably. So you know there's no surprise that the business lines drove towards look i can get this on tap that's the direction of travel we're going to go and all these business lines sort of you know used their power within the organization to say this is the way we have to go and the alternative is you know there are at the time there were no cloud commercial models there were no consumption models being you know coming from the manufacturers of the technology that would help provide that on tap that dynamic automated capability in the data center i mean some of the technologies existed but the commercial models probably didn't exist in the data center so so you've ended up with this sort of situation where actually it's really the business lines that have pulled the the, the it function along would be my argument uh, you know in into into the cloud and certainly into the multi cloud arena because different business lines were choosing Google for data they were choosing AWS for serverless functions and often the background somebody else is doing something with Microsoft Azure because it's solving their business problem that's why we get to the multi cloud problem of course so i think where we are now you know it's almost like IT has not been able to respond is now becoming a is now responding and now sort of 
you know, dealing with the problem and helping enable the, the organizations to use multi-cloud. But in some respects, IT still got to deal with the the feeding and watering of all the old stuff that's still not being transformed. So it's not it's not easy. And you know, to, being an average IT director these days is, mm. is certainly not easy. But one of the shifts that we're really seeing, and it, this is uh, it's not widespread across the indus- industry just now, but we're starting to see some industries shift and put IT functions and IT you know control more within the different business lines. So rather than saying go off and do it on your own, it's we'll provide a, a level of uh, you know governance control and we'll, we'll you know we'll provide part of the IT function. So for example, I'm thinking about a, a, a one of the energy companies just now. They're putting sort of technology capability into their solar in, uh, business line. They're putting it into their uh, sort of wind farm capability. So these these business lines are then not just going off and making decisions with the public cloud provider or other service providers, they're doing it with the support of almost like an their own mini IT function that understand the challenges of that market and understand the landscape of technologies that will help solve you know, solar uh, energy production, et cetera. So that's an interesting sort of model that we're starting to see. It's, and it's not that the central IT function is going away. It's just mm-hmm. the central IT function is sort of going to focus more on defining policies and some guidelines, keep watering the old stuff that is there as well, and have a connection into the business lines, but not hinder the business lines by not being able to move as fast as them. So that's, that's and we've seen that in more than one customer now start to emerge. So it'll be interesting to see how that sort of pans out, but it's about going as fast as the business line wants to go. Um, and enabling that through through a bit of technology control and governance. So, so basically, IT is having to reinvent itself to a certain yeah. extent, keeping some of their current functions, but also evolving as the as the market does it. Well, you mentioned it would be interesting to to see how it, that how that pans out. Do you have a view of where that may lead towards? Well, I, I think. I think it will be positive, Roshni, because you, you, you're ending up with IT people that understand at a much deeper level the business problem within that tower of capability. Mm-hmm. So they understand the business line and what that business line is trying to do. Uh, they understand its goals, its, its targets, its direction of travel. Whereas if you think of a central IT function in the average enterprise, they're thinking about general platforms. They're thinking about you know more general technology sets. So I think it's a it's a it's a good direction of travel to have that capability and that level of autonomy within the business lines of different organisations. Um, I'm uh, I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm watching with interest what's going to happen there. So well, it's it's incredible how quickly time flies when when you're having fun. If you will allow me, I would like to ask you. One last question. And um, will you mind to share with us, when it comes to transformation projects, what are the, the common things you see consistently? Yeah, this is a, it's an interesting one. Um, so I, I spoke to the team about this recently. Um, and I think, you know, if you, if you look at transformation projects, and particularly transformation projects that involve, you know, as we've been speaking about, a moving from an existing implementation of technology and I'm trying to sort of either you know move to the cloud or 
transform into the cloud. You know, there's some really consistent themes that come up. It usually takes a lot longer than people expect to make the transformation. We spoke earlier about it can often be six months before you actually start to make the transformation or actually move any workloads if you're doing a migration because of the, the need to stand up the environment, the people, the policies, etc. So I think that's, a, that's a, a, an important part of it. I think getting the balance right of you know, making sure that you're not being too IT-led and you've got a key business driver about why you're doing this and why you're moving it and what those requirements are, that becomes you know, really important. You know, we, 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 have, we have a capability and a sort of a, a tool set and a methodology, if I, if I can put it that way, that we encourage customers to almost allow the business user to sort of input data and give us information that will drive the direction of travel of that workload. So that's our um, application migration assessment, mm-hmm. which very much focuses on what are the requirements of the application and what should I do with that workload based on business criteria, not just technical criteria. So I, th- I think that is important. But once you've got that criteria and you understand the, the type of transformation. So if I'm going to move from uh, a workload that is maybe uh, monolithic to something that's more cloud native, or if I'm going to move to SaaS, for, for, for example, you you know, it's about then preparing and making sure you've got all the, the capabilities and the guardrails and the policies defined in the target environment. So you, you, you're moving from a fairly safe environment in the data center to something where you need to offer probably an improved level of security, of governance, of you know control in 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 the target environment. So that that brings an inevitable delay in the in the time that these projects take. I think another thing is, and, and again, it's related to that last point: is uh, are you moving the workload or are you transforming the workload? Because there's a temptation, I think, that people think. Well, if I'm going to move it, I'm just going to completely rewrite it as I'm doing it. And, you know, we've seen that really slow down projects. So, for example, we've got a customer where they were not making enough progress. They were not moving quickly enough. And the answer was, well, we moved them to a technology called VMware Cloud on AWS, which is Mm -hmm. just move it without changing the workload. And then once it's in the cloud, then start to pick off the transformation. So it's almost like making it a two-stage transformation, if, if, if that makes sense, and doing it in a, in a, in a sort of more controlled fashion. So do do you get... think that works? Do you think that works? Because the, the lift and shift and then do refactoring or recoding after you have uh, transitioned, from what I've seen, it is less cost efficient. Well, well uh, yeah, do you know what? We, we, saw, we saw some customers do this and get great success from it. But I think okay. in the very early days of the technology, People were looking at it and saying, too expensive or that's not real clouds. And, you know, trying to decide on, I'm going to follow this more purist route of this is how I'm going to get to the cloud. And I'm going to run in the native IaaS platform. I'm going to run on the native hypervisor, et cetera. But for all the reasons we spoke about earlier, projects go too slow. Well, this is a this is now becoming something that is a lot more popular because it's getting you out of that data center. Now, if you imagine you're that customer who is, I've got all these workloads in the data center and the company is trying to sell the real estate that the data center's in. Well, who cares how I get out of that work, out of that data center? I need to get out of that data center. 
and then I'll transform. It's becoming more popular uh, based on you know th- those sort of reasons. But there are some new sort of innovations in the market where it's actually becoming more of a compelling cost case. And as you run these workloads on a you know, this VMware cloud on type thing, because they do it in Azure, they do it in Google, they, mm-hmm. you know, they, they do it in AWS. You're then getting access to the other services that are running in close proximity to those workloads. So I'm thinking you've got databases, native cloud databases from AWS that you can then consume and connect in the same data centers. I can use serverless functions. So I can, and I can keep the same data source, but I can use some of the you know some of the other capabilities that the, the, the hyperscaler provides. And there's some new innovations that are just about to be announced that are that are going to change that cost base and drive that cost base down again. So watch this watch this space in the next few weeks. I'm under NDA. I can't say anything. Oh, but there's, okay. there's, there's new there's there's more there's more reason that that sort of approach is going to become, I think, more popular, Roshni, than than it than it has been at the outset. Oh, thank you for the for the little hint. We may have to bring you back to the show once you can talk freely about this to give us more insights on, yeah. on what is coming. Well, Paul, I think sadly we're coming to an end. It has been fantastic talking to you. I'm sure the audience feels the same way. I've learned a lot. You have really broken it down for us. And um, you are indeed, as I mentioned earlier, you are a cloud strategist. Seeing how you put uh, the business needs, the overall organization's strategy uh, at the top of your priorities and trying to to break the, the silos, the barriers, and um, creating the links that are not quite there, uh, some of the links or no links that we, we have discussed. It's, it's fantastic. And thank you very much for your time. I don't know if there's anything else you would like to add. No, Russian, it's been a pleasure. You know, this is a really complex area. It's uh, it, it keeps changing. It keeps evolving. So very happy to continue the conversation. Maybe next year we'll review what has changed and what's what's new next year. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Paul. And hopefully speak soon. Good stuff. Thanks, Russian.